0: thanks Daniel oh my name is Ron cool. I'm one of the pastors here at Hillside and the first thing I want to just say is thank you to all of you. Um, we had a great couple of days at the prayer Summit. It was really cool, thanks especially to all you who are involved. but to all of you, um, the facility was such a gift. Um, we had people from l a we had people from the state of Washington from Wisconsin, from Korea um, and all over Michigan and we were here and praying and blessing God and just Thank you. You you need to know how much everybody appreciated um, the facilities, just being able to to use that. So um, you, you, you did well. Thank you for blessing the world on this. I want to give you a little context. I want to look at a story from Jesus this morning after the resurrection. And, and I want to give you a little context of where they were and of what, where we are, because it's kind of similar in this. So three weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection, right? That Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And we, we just praised God. that We looked at John 11. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one who can give you new life. And at his resurrection, we saw that he destroyed death. And, and then two weeks ago, we looked at John chapter 20. John chapter 20, and, and we saw that in there. John doesn't just tell us that Jesus rose from the dead. What he gives us, he gives us different responses to that resurrection. And, and we said that, that John is trying to show us that believing doesn't come the same way to all of us. Oops, hold on. Did we get a little too far here? Two weeks ago, responses to the resurrection there we are. Believing doesn't come the same way to all of us, all right? And so we saw that for, for the Apostle John. The Apostle John, he just saw the empty tomb, and that was enough. Mary, she heard the voice of Jesus. He called her name. The other disciples, they saw Jesus. He showed their scars. But Thomas, on that Easter Sunday evening, he wasn't there. He skipped church. Thomas wasn't there, and he said, unless I can touch him, unless I can feel this, I'm not going to believe. And then a week later, so one week after Easter, that next Sunday, the disciples were gathered together again, and Jesus showed up, and Thomas believed and the question is how are we going to do and respond to the resurrection so last week we had a snow or an ice day and i i I can tell you i now know something that that maybe some of you have wondered about i would imagine it's true teachers enjoy snow days way more than students I, I have to confess I did enjoy last Sunday um, of just being off, but uh, so so that brings us to today again three weeks ago to the resurrection, three weeks ago now we 're going to move forward a couple of weeks, and so, in a sense, where we are in the story of the resurrection um, in the Gospels is where we are today okay we 're about three weeks out from the resurrection that 's where the disciples are. Jesus has shown up on Easter Sunday evening. Jesus has shown up a week later, but now it's been a couple of weeks, and, and Jesus hasn't shown up for those couple of weeks. For those couple of weeks, they've just kind of been waiting. They've kind of been wondering. And, 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 and so now we're three weeks after Easter. And, and I want to say that on the one hand, three weeks doesn't seem like a long time, but three weeks sometimes can feel like a long time. I, I Just stop and think about this, okay? Think back to Easter. Do you remember what songs we sang? remember anything about the sermon? For some of you, you were down in Florida. Do you remember what the sun looked like? Remember? <laughs> right? I mean, three weeks can sometimes feel like it's a really long time. There's been a lot that, that's happened here in the last three weeks. But, but sometimes three weeks can feel like it's kind of a long time, and, and you can start to get antsy. And that's where the disciples are. You kind of say, wow, did we, yeah, Easter, what did we do for that day? What? It's, it's kind of way back there now, right? We keep moving forward, and, and even three weeks can feel like it was a long time ago. And so for the disciples, I think it was multiplied that way. Seven of them, John says in John 21, were up in Galilee, okay? They uh, went back up to Galilee where they were from, where, where Jesus had called many of them. A map of this, by the way, seven, I don't know why they weren't all. I just don't know why. It was just seven of them. But Jesus had appeared again that first Sunday evening, that first Easter Sunday evening in Jerusalem. A week later, he appeared, and Thomas was there. Didn't skip church that time. Um, Thomas was there. I like that. Uh, he was there in Jerusalem. And Jesus had said, okay, I'm going to meet you guys in Galilee. I'm going to meet you in Galilee. So they took maybe this route and went up to Galilee. And I'm going to suggest they were at Capernaum. That's where Simon Peter lived. That's where they had been when Jesus called them. In a sense, they go all the way back to the beginning. They go back home and they're there and they are waiting. I hate waiting, right? I want to do something. They're there and they're waiting. And it's not easy. Like I said, three weeks can feel like a really long time, especially when you're not sure what you're supposed to be doing, especially when, when, when you, you know Jesus said to come here, but, but what, what, what are we supposed to be doing while we're here? Are we just supposed to sit here and wait? Does he want us to be out telling others about him? Are we supposed to testify about the resurrection? Are we supposed to? They don't want to get too far ahead of Jesus, and they don't want to get too far behind Jesus, and so they're there, and you've had that where you just kind of say, I, I don't know exactly what to do. And waiting in that situation gets long, right? Waiting in that situation gets uncomfortable. Because I want to know what I'm supposed to do. I want to get busy with something. And and these guys were active guys. And they're struggling because they don't know what to do. It's especially hard to wait when we don't know what we're supposed to do. And when we're not sure what Jesus is doing. And of what Jesus is going to do. Uh, again, this is a whole new ball game. They've been with him for three years, okay? They've been with him for three years, and now he's risen from the dead. <laughs> he looks different. And you say, okay, how's it going to be now? They're not sure of themselves. They're not sure of Jesus. And it's not very comfortable. And, and the word that kept coming to mind for me is that they were in a funk. You, you know how that is. <laughs> you just don't know what to do. You're just kind of you're frustrated, but you don't, you, you, you got cabin fever, but you don't know what to go out and do. You, you, you're there, and, and, and I would imagine it happens when we're in that kind of a situation, is there were a few spats between them, right? Come on, are you sure he said this? Are, are you sure he's going to do that? And and they're there. It's Peter who says, all right, I got to do something, I'm going stir crazy here. I've got to do something. Peter says this. He says, uh, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, I've got to get out of here. And they said, sounds like a good idea. We'll go with you. This is what they had done before. This is what they knew fact is, they might have gone out in in Peter's family boat, or James and John, their family boat. They were all up there. It's what they had been doing when Jesus called them. could have been right from the same shore. They said, let's just go fishing again, guys. At least we know how to do that. At least we're good at that. And, and, And they went out in the night. And they spent the whole night fishing, okay? And it probably felt good at one level. Right When you've been sitting around doing nothing, to get out, to exercise, to sweat, to do something, to feel like, okay, we're at least doing something, but <laughs> they caught nothing. They got skunked. They caught nothing. They're coming back into shore, and they're about 100 yards away from shore. It's early morning now. The sun is just coming up, a new day dawning. The sun is just coming up, and they're coming into shore. And Jesus does what Jesus does. <laughs> we don't understand why and when, but Jesus shows up. Not on our time, but on his time. And, and what I want us to think about this morning as Jesus interacts with his disciples here is I want to recognize that Jesus is going to give them two gifts. They don't know it's Jesus yet. Look at verse 4 a minute. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. They, they, he was 100 yards away. They weren't sure that it was him. And what Jesus does is he's going to give them and he's going to give us two gifts. Two gifts when we're not sure what to do. Two gifts that we need when, when, when we're unsure of how, how active we should be, of what's going on. When we have the blues, when we, when we feel a little out of sorts, when we're in a funk. Two gifts that we need. The first one is so essential. It is so important. The first thing Jesus gives to them, you know what he gives them? He gives them a job. He gives them a mission. He gives them a vision. He says, guys, I've got something important for you to do. It's time for you to get off your backsides. It's time for you to get in the game. I've got an important job for you. Now, it's fascinating the way Jesus does this. Jesus gives them a job without saying a word about a job. Okay, Jesus gives them a job by giving them something else, by reminding them of something. You know, I said that Peter and uh, Simon Peter and James and John were all from Capernaum. They're from Galilee, they're from that area, that they were fishermen beforehand. Well, Dr. Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he was a physician. Luke tells us about when Jesus called them. The very first time Jesus met with James and John and, and Simon Peter and so on. Tells us about it in chapter five. Jesus has some crowds following him at this time. The boys Simon Peter, James, and John have been out fishing. Sound familiar? They'd been out fishing all night. They caught absolutely nothing. They'd gotten skunked. They're pulling into shore. They're, they're cleaning out their nets. They're getting them ready for the next night. Then they're going to go home and they're going to sleep. Jesus shows up. He's got some people there, and he says to Simon Peter, "I need your boat. I need a pulpit." And I'm going to sit in your boat, and I'm going to talk and teach. So Peter says, sure. Get in their boat. They go a little ways out, and Jesus teaches. And and then Jesus gets done, and he says to Peter, he says, let's go fishing. Let's go out into the deep water, and let's cast the nets. Now, I'm not a fisherman. I go once a year with my brothers. i got two brothers who are serious fishermen. They're very serious about fishing. And we go once a year, we go up to the manasseh River, or whatever it is, we go, I don't even know. But we go up there, we fish for a day, okay? And, and, and I'll tell you, there are two things I never say on that trip. One is, let me pay, which I would never say anyway. <laughs> they're car dealers, okay? I'm a preacher. <laughs> no, I, I say it, and I'm just really slow, because I know they're going to say, oh, no, I got it. If I ever have a heart attack, you can assume they probably said, okay. And I'm like, oh. Anyway, no, I, I tried to pay some. Anyway, no, but what I really never say is, hey, we should fish over there. Hey, I'll bet there's a good spot there. That looks like where there's some fish. Because they know the river. They know the holes. They know. And, and me, trying to come on, there, they're on this, this river 30 days a year. And me coming out and saying, no, no, this is the spot they would not take kindly to that, because I don't know what I'm doing. Jesus was the son of a carpenter, son of a builder. He wasn't a fisherman. He doesn't know what he's doing. He hasn't been raised on these waters. I mean, come on, Simon, Peter, James, and John have been doing this since they were this tall. They've been doing this all their life, and Jesus says, hey, I know it's the middle of the day, and nobody ever catches fish in the middle of the day, but let's go out there and fish. I don't know how he gets away with it. I guess God can do that. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, haven't caught anything. All right, but because you say so, I will let the nets down. So they went out in deeper water. When they had done so, excuse me, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat. Excuse me, signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. All right. So again, they've never met Jesus before, as far as we could tell. Jesus preaches, teaches, talks to these people, says, Let's go fishing. And all of a sudden, their boats are sinking. All I could think of was the only boat I've ever seen sink because of fishes from Jaws. And that, that's kind of what it was like. Okay. I'm not saying it was a shark, but it was like, Whoa. I mean, Peter flips out. You would too you're not supposed to catch any fish and all of a sudden your boat is sinking and you're in the middle of the sea of galilee and peter just flips out and says there's something supernatural going on here and i don't like it when simon peter saw this he fell at jesus knees and says go away from me lord for i am a sinful man whatever you're about is above my pay grade i'm not ready for this for he and all of his companions, the others felt the same way, were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. So they're, they're in the water in the Sea of Galilee, and, and, and it's sinking, they're just saying, Jesus, we know who you are, but we, we, we can't handle this. This is too frightening. Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. From now on. You're no longer going to be fishy fishing. You're going to be people fishing. From now on, I'm going to have you follow me. I'm going to teach you how to draw people into the kingdom. From now on, you got a new job. you got a new mission. And they, 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 leave, they leave their nets and they follow him, right? I mean, they left their boats on shore, left everything, and they followed him. And for three years, they go with Jesus, and they see all the miracles, and they experience all these things, and, and they hear all the words, and they feel the love and the hope, and, and then the, the crucifixion and the burial, and then the resurrection. And now they're back on that same body of water, right? They're back on that same body of water, probably in the same boat, having caught the same amount of fish on their own, 0.00. And they're coming in, they're a hundred yards offshore, and some guy says, do this. So they pull early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, what, haven't you any fish? I I think Jesus does like to have fun. (laughs) I think there's a little tweak in here. Friends, not done so well, have we? He gets British at this point. "Not, not, Not done so well, have we? Uh, Ah, mates, Uh, no fish in the boat, huh? (laughs) That's not a nice thing to say. You only say it to your brothers about a thousand times if they get skunked and you didn't. No, they answered. And again, he says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. They don't know it's Jesus. But again, recognize this. Think about this. When you're fishing in a river, I've done both, not a lot. When you're fishing in a river, there are fishing holes. There are specific places. They say, try to cast here. And then I throw it into the tree. But it's try to cast here. Try to land it right here. You want to be close to this. That's where the fish are. When you're in a lake, there are not fishing holes. They're they're, they're there. And, and, And when you're in a lake, there are not like fish on one side of the boat and not on the other. I mean, it's about the it's you're fishing on the wrong side. Uh, come on, I've been out on Lake Michigan. It's not like, oh, this side of the boat catches them because no fish go on the other side of the boat. This is a lake. They're going all over the place. But Jesus says, okay, it's crazy. Just try the other side. Throw your nets on the other side. And again, they do it. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. And it's John is the first one who goes, ding, 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 ding. Uh, I think I know, we've been here before. We've caught nothing, had somebody tell us to do something different, and it was, it is the Lord, John says. The the, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's his name for himself. The disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. If you were here on Easter, just like last two weeks ago, John wanted us all to know he was first to the tomb. He wants us to know he was the first to recognize you. He said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him, Say it is the Lord. Simon wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off to fish. It's hard work, and and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing in the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fish, a fire burning of burning coals there with fish on it, and some bread. We'll come back to that in a minute. But they get there, and there's a meal there. Jesus is prepared. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you've just caught. He's got some there, but he wants theirs. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish 153, if you need to know. 153 large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. You see what Jesus is doing? Jesus is saying, Do you remember, guys? Do you remember how it all started? Do you remember that first day how we went out in the middle of the day just like now and you had this miraculous catch of fish? Do you remember what I said, Peter? I said, it's time to go fishing. And now it's time to go fishing for people. And he gives them a mission. He gives them a vision. He gives them a job. And that is an amazing thing. That's why I say Jesus gives them a job. And by reminding them of what had happened there, Jesus is saying to them, "With this, it's time for you to go fishing." And that is a powerful thing. It is a powerful thing to have a mission. It is a powerful thing to have a job. It does two things for us. Okay, first of all, it energizes us. See, we were all created by God to do something. We were all created by God to to, to make a difference. We were all created by God to have an impact. We were all created by God to fish, to bring others into his kingdom, to have something to do. And when you don't have something to do, you feel less than human. If you've been sick and laid up, if you've been out of work, if you're older now and you say, I can't do what I used to do. If you're too young and your parents say, you can't do this yet. You know what it's like to sometimes feel like, I feel like I'm worthless. I feel like there's nothing I can do. I want you to know right now, if you belong to Jesus Christ, you have got the most important job in the world. you got to become a fisherman. you gotta, you got to get involved because there are fish who are lost. There are fish who don't know they're lost. Joe Stoll talks about that. They're in such, on Friday night here, but, but it's such danger and they don't even know it. There are people around us. And, and, and when we start to understand that God needs us, and, and, and your part of fishing might be praying, okay? Say, Ron, I can't go out and I can't evangelize. I can't go to, to the city fest itself. Then start praying now. Pray for our church. Pray for uh, all the people in our church. Pray for people who don't know Jesus. That might be your part of fishing is, is praying. Your part of fishing might be baking cookies for somebody. It might be fixing somebody's tire. Whenever you do something, in Jesus' name, it might be inviting your neighbor it might be just building a relationship with that person at work. But go fishing, friends. God absolutely needs you. It is such an amazing thing when somebody important says, I need you. One of my heroes was here yesterday, Rich Mao, and I had the opportunity to introduce him. And, and the nicest things were, like, he said, I, Could I get some water? Oh, yeah. And I, I mean, I'm running around getting Rich Mao water because, man, Rich Mao was one of my heroes, president of Fuller Seminary, and to have the honor of getting him water. It's like purpose. Each and every one of you has the King of kings and the Lord of lords, Jesus himself, coming to you right now and saying, I need you. I need you to pray. I need you to love. I need you to serve. It's time to go fishing. That's powerful. It energizes us. And, and I just want to think about that. I think of the disciples when they're, when they're in that funk, Okay? Sometimes, and I want to be really careful about this, all right, but sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes when we're struggling, sometimes when we're struggling we feel like I wish somebody would help me out here, I wish somebody would do something, sometimes when we're struggling we don't need someone to do something for us, you know what we need, we need to do something for somebody else. We need to do something for others. Again, I, I want to be really careful with this because sometimes we are just we are at a place where we need to just stop and be fed, okay? I recognize that. But sometimes, right? When I say, I don't know what to do, go out and love somebody in Jesus' name. Go out and, and help at streams. Go out and, and, and just pray, whatever it is. But sometimes, what we need to do, you've said that to the kids, I'm bored, I'm, come on, get up, do something. Sometimes Jesus says that to us, and what we need is to get back in the game. What we need as individuals in the church is to stay focused on that. A, a, a mission can energize us. The other thing it can do is, is a mission can, can focus us. I, I, I've never was in the military. There's a lot of things I've never done, um, but I've never was in the military, but I remember talking to a Navy guy once, and, and he, he told me that in some ways one of the most dangerous times— for the Navy ship that he was on was when they had nothing to do. He said, because when we had nothing to do, you should see the fights start to break out. When we had nothing to do, I don't like your state, you don't like my state. When we have nothing to do, I don't like the way you say that. I don't like this, I don't like that. And he says, that's when we start to attack each other but all of a sudden when we have a mission all of a sudden when we have something we've got to do when we've got to bring relief somewhere when we've got to protect somebody when we have that in mind all of a sudden we're standing shoulder to shoulder all of a sudden we're next I don't care where you went to school and I don't care what state you're from and I don't care about your accent I don't care what color you are I just need you beside me cuz we got work to do and we're heading into battle and so often in the church when we have struggles it's because We don't have that sense of hunger and battle. And and, and when we have too much time on our hands, we start to say, well, I don't like the way you pour coffee. And I don't like the color of the carpet here. And I, I, I didn't like this, and I didn't like that. Friends, when we realize we have got the most important job in the world, we have the opportunity to impact people's lives for eternity, when we can love people in Jesus' name, when we are filled with that vision, when we are passionate about that vision, when we say, as a church, God wants to change the world through us, guess what? We start to say, a lot of things don't matter. Let's just get busy and pray and love and serve and give and all those things. It's powerful. It's powerful. That's why it's such a great gift and to think of Jesus coming and saying, I want you. I need you. And he needs each and every one of us, okay? You, some of you are sitting here right now say he doesn't need me. Yes, he does. Whatever it is, he needs you. I want to real quick just touch on three things about this in, in the story and so on. You know, first of all, the best mission comes from God. It's not our own mission. This is Jesus telling them what to do. And as a church, please continue to be in prayer. We want to say, God, here we are. We, we want to do what you want us to do. We want to listen to your voice. We don't want to get too far ahead of you nor too far behind you. And so we continually, I hope you do that in your own life, but we continually say, God, second, the power to carry out our mission comes from God. It, it's not we ourselves. If we do this, and do it under our own power. We've got good people here. You are good, really good quality people. We can make a lot of noise. We can make a lot of splashes. The disciples had made a lot of noise and a lot of splashes. Throwing the nets out all night. But they caught nothing. But it was when Jesus came. And that's why I don't think Jesus was just needling them. I think Jesus was teaching them when he said, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. You see, on their own, there's some math in the Bible. On their own, 0.00 fish. But with Jesus, it's 153 fish. Now, you might wonder something that a lot of people have wondered. Ever since John wrote this, I wonder if he's going to regret that or if he already has. But John says 153 fish. Why does he tell us how many there were? What's this? You would not believe how many things have been written about guessing what that means. Some people have just pointed out John's a fisherman. Luke was a doctor. A fisherman count. It's just John. Some people have said, "Well, John is trying to teach us that while people are first, numbers do matter." We other people. There are just so many things, and I could have gone on. I got a whole ten minute section I just removed this morning. But the fact is, we don't know why John gives us the exact number. I'm going to ask him, and I have a feeling you might say, "Just I count fish." That's. Jim Hoxman counts people all the time, so John counted fish. We don't know why John gives us the exact number of fish, but we do know that with God's help, the disciples caught a whole slew of them. Okay, the disciples caught a whole slew of them. So the power to carry our mission comes from God. And then one other thing John says that's important, the net doesn't break. Verse 11. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And what he wants to say is unity matters. All kinds of different fish. But we in the church need to remember we are still one. Again, that's part of what City Fest is going to do for us in September as we join together with churches across different denominations. It's part of what happened here over this weekend as we had people from around the world. We are one church. I've asked this before, and if you try to make a, a guess in your head, how many churches are there in Grand Rapids? 400, 500, 1,000? No, no. there's one. We may not look like it, but there's one. And it would be good for us to keep acting like it. All right, let's keep going. Let, next part is not real long, but he gives him a job. And, and again, I just want to say it, and I, I recognize there are times when we are, just need to rest. But, but if you're not sure what to do, just try showing the love of Jesus to someone that's never a bad option that's never a bad option jesus gives us a job he gives us a mission he gives us a vision and then he gives us a meal he gives us a meal look at this verse 12 jesus said to them come and have breakfast come and have breakfast none of the disciples he must have looked again different enough none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you because they knew it was the lord but boy he looked different and jesus came and he took the bread that might have reminded them of something too. <laughs> Jesus came and he took the bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples and after he was raised from the dead. He gives a meal. Important for us to know Jesus never just gives us a job. He also provides what we need. He provides us his food his life, his word. He feeds us in a number of ways. I mean, he does it through his word. As we explore these stories, Jesus reminds us, renews us, rejuvenates us. He calls us, but he also feeds us through his word. He does it through worship. He does it in small groups. He does it at this table as we come together. And in a sense, this becomes the rhythm of our lives. Fishing and being fed. Fishing and And being fed. Fishing and being fed. It's still scary. At least a little bit scary for the disciples. And it's scary for me. But it's also exciting. To realize that God wants his kingdom to come. And he wants us to be a part of that. Through this church. Through our neighborhoods. Through our schools. Through our workplaces. So friends... Let's keep on fishing. Let's keep on fishing. There are people who need to come to Jesus. And let's keep on getting fed so that we can fish. And we fish and are fed and God is pleased and we find joy. Let's pray together. Father, Sometimes it's, it's hard for us to remember that you call us to mission. Sometimes it's hard to believe that you call us to mission. You use us. We don't have that many gifts. We don't have that many abilities. But, Father, remind us right now that you want us to fish. You want us to be passionate about bringing people to your kingdom, about showing people your love, about growing your kingdom in all that we do and all that we say. And so, Father, we pray that you will renew vision here at Hillside. Father, we pray that you'll once again fire us up to remind us that we have just the most important work in the world to do. And then now, right now, we pray that you'll feed us as we come to the table. We pray that you'll you'll give our souls the strength we need to love others in your name. We pray this in your name. Amen.